excuse me, are we on? Oh, I think so. Thank you. Hello. It's Paul. It's Nessa. It's Paul and Nessa's Happy Hour. A sketch comedy podcast with added stuff and nonsense. Oh, hello, little pussycat. Meow, meow, meow. Charlie says, if you find an unexploded World War II bomb lying around, tell your mummy because it could be dangerous. Don't go bouncing on it like a trampoline. Meow, 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 meow. And also, it's episode 12. Oh, I'm not checking into this dirty, flea-ridden hotel. How dare you, madam? You will not find a single flea in this establishment. I'm sure I won't. I'm sure they're all married with children. Ah, welcome, <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 12 of Happy Hour. Yes. I'm really enjoying them little ease advert references uh-huh. that we're doing for the intros at the moment. Really? You couldn't uh, tell? Yeah. <laughs> they really please you, don't they? They do, they Aww. do. They're my favourite part of the show, all right? <laughs> Bless you. That's because you get to sit watching bloody YouTube videos all day on, just, <laughs> days on end and hours on just to true. justify it. Yeah, 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 true, true, yeah. true. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, we hope you're enjoying them too. <laughs> on with the show. Meow. <laughs> Hello, I'm Frank Drillbit. And I'm Veronica Bleach. And this is News Pipe, the hard-hitting investigative show where we poke the bee's nest of news until the swarm attacks and puts us in A&E. Tonight, we examine the callous and devastating trail left by one of our so-called medical professionals. Despite signing up to the Hippocratic Oath, this doctor showed a wanton disregard for the patients he treated, leaving countless people and families in pain and distress. Joining me tonight in the Newspipe Discussion Bunker is that very doctor. Uh, Before we start... Would you call me Doctor Doctor? Sorry? Well, I've earned it. I'm a doctor of medicine and a doctor of psychology. I went to university twice, I've got two doctorates, and I prefer it if you call me by both of them. If it's good enough for my patients, it's good enough for you. I see. Well, uh, Doctor Doctor... That's better. I think it's fair to say that the complaints against you held by the BMA, your bedside manner, leaves a lot... To be desired. Luke, these people are nothing more than hypochondriacs. I have a very busy practice and I don't have time to pander to their whining nonsense. What about this case here, Doctor? Uh, 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 uh Doctor, Doctor. That's better. This case here, a Mr A. Johnson. When he came to you with his problems, you were unbelievably dismissive. Yes, well... He was suffering utterly ridiculous notions of misidentity. I've never seen delusions like it. He thought he was a piece of decorative fabric used for dressing windows. He did need to pull himself together. And what about this case? A decorated soldier from our armed services. He served on many tours and was suffering from PTSD. He kept having flashbacks of his time out in the desert. Night after night, he dreamt... He was a teepee, then a wigwam. Yes, well, that was just an unfortunate misunderstanding. He was too tense. Nevertheless... Luke here. 
I've been to doctors for 20 years now. It's an increasingly stressful profession, and there's only so many idiots I can see who think they're bridges, packs of playing cards, or savoury cheese bloody biscuits. One of your patients you actually banned from your practice and told him you categorically couldn't see him anymore. Well, he kept saying he was the invisible man who, in the name of Christ, believes that. Why are you wearing dungarees and a pair of orange crocs, then, if you think you're bloody invisible? Look... I've had just about enough of this. You're as bad as some of my patients. I think I'm done with this interview. Well, if I could, just one more question, please, Dr. Doctor. All right, well, make it quick. After one terrible diagnosis, a patient of yours suffered severe brain damage and his life was changed forever. Do you regret that at all? Well, yes, in retrospect, I do rather wish I'd just prescribed a course of sleeping pills. But how was I to know he was sleeping on the top bunk of bunk beds? Thank you for joining us, Doctor Doctor. Well, there you go. That's it for Newspipe this week. Join us next time when we'll be asking just how dangerous is shark-infested custard? Goodbye. Yay, it's another new feature. (laughs) Right then, this feature is called Middle Class Observations. Mm -hmm. Right, now we're both very proud to have come from working class backgrounds and families, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but there's no shame and no real surprise that when our sort of generation creep towards middle age, which Uh we're doing quite rapidly. We're just creeping. (laughs) We're getting there. We aspire to more middle class comforts and... Ways of life, yes? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know. No, definitely not, definitely not. Middle class aspirations. Yes. Yes. But we wouldn't be poor and lesser (laughs) if we weren't observing life and laughing about it or, quite frankly, taking the piss. Aye. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what this feature is all about. Middle class observations. Yes, perfect. So, on to our first ever middle class observation. <laughs> and this happened the other night when I was uh, laying the <laughs> when I was laying the fire to, to light the fire in the dining room. Which is, how middle class is that in itself? But that's not the observation. The observation is right because. We don't often buy newspapers really in this house, do we? I just no. don't, we don't bother. So um, to, to light the fire, if, you know, to get the newspaper to light the fire, we get a load of the old newspapers that my parents and my younger brother buy. Mostly my younger brother, to be honest, when he's out working on the building <laughs> site. And he still gets, as, as they've always done, it, so we end up borrowing newspapers like the star and the mirror, you know. Borrowing, we get given. Well, we I, yeah, yeah, we get given the newspapers to light the fire, so they're the star. But occasionally, I have, you know, bought the <laughs> bought the Guardian or, or the Observer on a weekend if I fancy a weekend reading the papers, you know. So the how, other, how middle class is that? No, still not actually, there. You, st- you walk up the road to buy the Guardian on a Sunday morning. Well, actually, it's the Observer on a Sunday morning. Oh, it's I the Guardian sorry. on a Saturday. Yeah, come on, get your middle class aspirations right. So... The thing was, right, when I was laying the fire the other night and uh, I, w- I was using the Guardian. I-, I think it was one of the supplements, actually. <laughs> right? I think it was. So I was doing that. But I-, I could tell by the way I was crumbling the Guardian that the-, <laughs> that the Guardian was like, it was a bit thicker. And when I lit it, the Guardian burned slower than the star or the mirror, which is better for the fire because it's more of a slow burn. 
And as I was thinking that to myself, I was thinking, how fucking middle class have you become? <laughs> yes, the Guardian is much better for the open fireplace than the Daily Mirror. <laughs> yeah, you'd think the sun would burn hotter, wouldn't you? <laughs> Do you mind if I have your seat? I'm pregnant. Oh, of course, there you are, love it. Hey, hang on, you don't look pregnant. How long have you been pregnant? Oh, about 15 minutes. It's bloody knackering, isn't it? A retired vegetable. <laughs> um, what do you call a retired vegetable? Uh, um, something to do with pension. I don't know. Go on. What do you call a retired vegetable? <laughs> a pension. I don't what? know. I don't know. Is there a vegetable that sounds like pension? No. <laughs> art, art, artichoke. No. Cabbage. No. I don't know. Go on. A has been. Oh. God. <laughs> Puny humans, I am Magala, leader of all grass patrons, your overlords. So, you want to play hardball, do you? Despite us saving you from the Belafonte Floral Company invasion fleet, you have chosen not to help us in return, and thanks to a minor indiscretion on my part at the end of the last broadcast, you have taken it into your heads that we mean you harm and slavery and death and so forth. <laughs> I can assure you, dear friends, nothing could be further from the truth. I appreciate you had to... Cancel our Diana Ross gig, but witness how we have stubbornly refused to take offence at your sending us up even more tins of that horrible processed ham with the jelly in it that we don't like, and endless tubs of old lady anti-wrinkle face cream. I sent some home to my wife, and her cheeks have virtually solidified. She now can't eat anything crunchy for fear of her face shattering. But... I can't hold that against you, as it's given us all a good laugh. So what I'm asking is, we put this down to a little joke between friends. You sub us the money to release ourselves from the contact of what support bailiffs, and then we go home and commence a friendly relations package through an ambassadorial arrangement. How does that sound, hmm? We could even get some of those Ferio Rochers in. Ferrero Rochers, fairy, you know, the little ball sweets on a tray, in a pyramid, like on the telly. Ferrero Rocher. Hmm? Trooper? Any response? Message coming through now, sir. Here's my grits. Grits? What are they, Trooper? Furnish me with a map of the human anatomy. I believe it's an insult, sir. Very well, if that's how they want to play it. No more, Mr. Nice Grass Patron. Attack! Troopers, attack! Attack! Man down, sir. 
I can see that. What hit me? My office wall. I'll get it next time, sir. Don't you worry. I'd rather you aimed for the gap in the doorway. We're all just too eager, sir. Want to get at them. <laughs> Very inspirational, but first we need to get rid of the bailiffs. Any ideas? Cardinal Felsch. Patience and prayer, my budlings. How many more tins of that processed ham can you eat? Let's get them aboard and assassinate the swines. Trooper, arrange it. Get to it, Trooper. Uh, yes, yes, sir. Careful with that precision equipment, Trooper. Hello, bailiff. What you want? Uh, to get you aboard and assassinate you. You what? Ah, Trooper, you've given away the entire plan! But you said... Trooper? Sir? This is your fault for delegating. I thought it might be. They said in the mess you were difficult to work for. Who said that? Uh, everyone, sir. Then I shall have them all shot. Very good, sir. Ready when you are. All right. What's going on over there? Just some internal discipline issues, your bailiffiness. Bailiffiness? Is that you, Magala? What? By Saint Cyanide, he called my wife. Hello, dearest. How are you? Awful. When are you coming home, Murgy Poos? Your schnook must misses you. Hell's kidneys. Sorry, darling. Still caught up here at work. Kiss my boo-boo? Really, Graham, that's the most inappropriate... I'm amongst staff and colleagues. Hello, Mrs M. Bless. Hello, boys. Ah, oh, my cheeks have shattered. Thank Helma for that, she's gone. What is going on over there? What? Who the hell's that? Barry. I say it's the bailiffs. Oh, that trooper set up a conference call by accident. I said these switches were too delicate for our huge hands. Hush. I can hardly hear a thing. Terrible line. Oh, hold on, I'm coming over. Oh, that was unexpectedly easy. Indeed, but advantageous, I feel. Come, we must prepare. Delicately press that red button, trooper. Okay. I was expecting to die a while back. Oh, don't worry. I'm sure there'll be plenty other opportunities. And humanity, watch out. We'll be coming to get you very soon. <laughs> Daphne, dear Daphne. Daphne, dear Daphne, please help, dear Daphne, we're really desperate, dear Daphne, 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 please help me, Daphne.
Well, now, Nessa's just had to leave the studio for a few minutes. The dam has sprung a, a bit of a leak, uh, and she's had to go and stick her finger in it. But not to worry, because we're joined in the studio by our resident agony aunt, Daphne Crankshaft Doodlebug. Hello. Oh, hello, Paul. It's lovely to be back here with you again. Uh, now, of course, as well as your agony aunt duties, you do work as a freelance consultant, mm. don't you? Yes, yes. I'm always available to consult for anyone who needs my services. And now, last time you were here, you were consulting for the Society of Holistics and Yoga Technicians. Shite, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Are you, uh, are you still involved in shite? Oh, no, no, Paul, I, I'm not, no. To be honest, I didn't like the way the organisation was going. All seemed a bit weird and culty for my liking, so I left them. Right, left them in the shite, so to speak. Yes, quite. <laughs> yes. Um, so, what are you up to at the moment? Ah, well, presently, I'm an advocate for a fascinating organisation. We're promoting the benefits of ICE. It's a progressive organisation. It's called We All Like Ice. I see. Yes, that's what we like the best. When it's icy. <laughs> no, no, I meant... Oh, well, never mind. Mm. Um, so, uh, We All Like Ice. Yes, W-A-L-I for short. Uh, Wally. Quite. I'm a fully confirmed and proud Wally. Well, that is great, Daphne. That's really cool. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Mm. Uh, so, uh, shall we get on with the listeners' letters? Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you haven't got a lot of time with us today. Yeah, no, no, quite. I have to get back to my fellow Wallies. Those scotch on the rocks won't drink themselves. <laughs> <laughs> joking. Daphne says, please drink responsibly. (laughs) Right, yes. Well, uh, the first letter is from Christine from Mm. Edinburgh. She's getting married in a few months' time, but she's been told by the vicar that they can't have confetti uh, because the Gestapo rector won't sweep it up anymore. That's her words, not mine. Mm. So she's wondering if you have any suggestions. Oh, yes. Well, confetti should be colourful. So use food dye. Mm. And what can you colour with it? Ice. (laughs) Right. Okay. well, uh, fine. Uh, Next is Timothy. He's from Exeter. Oh, now we need to increase our membership in the southwest area. I wonder if he'd like to become a Wally with me. Uh, Well, I'm sure he'll get in touch if he does. Now then, Timothy writes that he's in the final of the Exeter and Shillingford Hide and Seek Championships. Now he's determined to retain his trophy from last year, but the hiding places are becoming increasingly difficult to find. Please, Daphne, he writes, can you help? Well... This is very, very funny, isn't it? (laughs) Is it? Mm, Very, 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 very funny. (laughs) Well, I hope it is. My third. No, 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 no. Wait, wait. No, he was my fourth husband. (laughs) Colonel Sir Ian with two eyes. Cuthbertson Ernest Doodlebug was the hide-and-seek champion four years in a row whilst he was serving in the Indias. (laughs) And what he found was the best hiding places We're up on high, as high as you can possibly go. Timothy will be listening now, won't he? Uh, I would imagine so, Daphne, yes. Oh, splendid. Plunge your headphones deep into your earlobes, Timothy. I have a tip for you. The highest tree in England is a Douglas fir, and it's very near to you in Dunstan, near Somerset. 
It's 197 metres tall and you need to get right up there, right up there. But how does he get up so high, I hear you ask? But how does he get up so high, I hear you ask? <laughs> but how does he get up so high, Daphne? No, oh, Paul, thank you, I'm glad you asked. What you need to do is get yourself a huge block of ice and carve yourself an enormous staircase, uh-huh. You position it at the foot of the tree and simply climb the staircase, ensconcing yourself in the utmost branches. Then, the beauty of it is that the staircase just melts away and no one else can get up there to find you. Simple. Now, Timothy, blocks of ice that size are very difficult to spot. Just ask Edward John Smith. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little joke for my work colleagues there. <laughs> yes. Very funny. But if you contact an organisation such as We All Like Ice, we, well, I know, I mean they, they can certainly sell you one at a very reasonable price. Yes, of course, of course. W-A-L-I. Uh, only a true Wally would come up with such a suggestion. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, right, finally, a letter from Anonymous. Hello, Anna. Uh, no, I, uh, oh, right, doesn't matter. Um, mm. They're a worried parent uh, because their small child has come home from school with an infestation of head lice and the knit comb it just doesn't seem to be working. Oh, yes, that's easy. Just cover the child's head with ice. Sorry? Yes, cover it in ice. It will undoubtedly do the trick. Uh, I'm not sure it will, Daphne, just because it's got the word ice in it. Oh, yes, 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 it certainly does. Ice fixes any problem that contains the word within it. That's where the word ice comes from, you know. <laughs> Are you sure? Oh, positive, dear boy. I wouldn't be a Wally if I didn't know my ice. Uh... Anything that contains the word ice can be fixed by administering ice. Dice? Mm, gambling addiction. Convert to the harmless addiction of chewing ice. Mice? Batter them to a pulp with huge lumps of ice. <laughs> Rice? For best results, cook in warmed up ice. Uh, you mean water? Mm, yes, warmed up ice. <laughs> Vice? Cool yourself down immediately with ice, you Dirty sex pest. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, well, thanks very much for joining us again this week. Uh, Daphne, Crankshaft, Doodlebug. Oh, it's been a pleasure to offer your listeners my advice. <laughs> very good, yes, I see what you did there. Hmm? Yeah, you said advice? Yes. Advice. Hmm? Adv-ice? Are you all right, dear boy? I think you might be having a turn. Quick, somebody get some ice. Thank you, thank you, Daphne. Oh, you really helped me, Daphne. Get over me problem. With your weird product placement. <laughs> thank you for seeing me, Doctor. It's my hands. They, they just keep shaking all the time. Yes, 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 I, I can see that. Uh, do, you, do you drink much? No, I spill most of it. This is Paul's rank, you can hear it's coming. His veins are coming up, his head's gonna explode. He's gonna go on and on and on. This is Paul's rank.
Yay, my favourite feature. Go on then. <laughs> right. Can you tell me what it is about calendars or diaries that start the day of the week as has been a Sunday? The start of the week on a Sunday. Well, the start of the week is a Sunday. No, it's not. Don't 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 get me riled up. The start of the week is a Monday. Why? Well, because that's when the working week starts. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and. And and then Saturday <laughs> and Sunday is the weekend, right? That's old is fashioned. It, is it or is it not called the weekend? Yes. And that's because it's at the end of the week. week. Yeah. <laughs> so if the end of the week is Sunday, then that's the end of the week. And the next week starts on Monday. So these fucking diary makers and calendar makers who put the Sunday as the start of the week, it throws you all off kilter and everything. Is that on a like a week? The date of you week, whatever yeah, you call yeah, it. Yeah. Well, the station on thing. anything, whatever, whatever it might be, whether whether it's a monthly calendar thing or whether it's a <laughs> yeah a week to view diary thing or yeah anything like that. Is it? Could it be psychological that it's a nice thing to look at on if you're looking at the next week that's coming? And you've got something really nice and happily booked in for the Sunday, ready to go back to work on the Monday. So you see, off to the beach on a Sunday, and then Monday work. Well, that would be that would be bad to see the Sunday on that week, surely. Surely it's best to start the week on, oh, shit work, shit work, <laughs> shit work, shit work, shit work. Yay! Two fun times. Something to look forward to at the end <laughs> you of know, the week. You should sell that as a jingle to job people. <laughs> job recruiters. Recruitment agencies. That's the one. Recruitment agencies. Shit work, shit work, shit work, shit work. I'm only doing a four-day week. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you stop with Thursday. <laughs> Getting really angry over trivial, pointless, pathetic little things. That was Paul's rant. Cashier number four, please. Hello, Violet. Oh, hello, Nora. Fancy seeing you here. Yes, Thursday, innit? Just collecting me pension. Oh, that's nice. I'm just buying a stamp. Oh, yeah. Yes, I've got to send a congratulations card to my grandson Archie in Gloucestershire. He's just passed all his GCSEs. Eleven subjects, all grade nine. Oh, smashing. He's done well there, hasn't he? He certainly has. That's better than the old days star, you know. Oh, I know, Violet. Yes, I know that. Because my granddaughter, Jemima, got grade nine in all her GCSEs last year. She sat 13 of them, plus a diploma in computer technology. Oh, mind you, last year Archie's brother Edmund sat his GCSEs two years early. They allowed him to because he was judged to be the cleverest half percent of children in the whole of the country. Sat 16 exams, got grade 9 in all of them, plus three A-levels in his spare time. Well, well, well. Oh, did I tell you about my son, Stephen? No. Oh, I'm so proud, Violet. Last month, at the AGM of the British Medical Association, he was awarded Best Doctor in the Country. Oh, I say, Nora. I know. They said he'd saved more lives than any other doctor that year. And if it wasn't for him, the NHS would probably have been set back 20 years. Amazing. I know. I've not heard from my boy Trevor for about six months now. 
Oh, boy, what a shame. I'm so sorry. Oh, no. It's all right, dear. It's hard for him to communicate from where he is, you see. He's volunteering for the Red Cross in war-torn West Africa. He's ensuring much-needed aid, food, water and medical supplies get to the victims of the conflict in Burkina Faso. Oh! Yes, Oxfam and Medicine Sans Frontiers have both tried to poach him. But he's such a fiercely loyal man that he's insisted on finishing his work in Africa. Mm. <laughs> oh, that reminds me. Speaking of medicine, I must pop to Primark on my way home and get myself a nice new frock. Why is that, Nora, dear? I'm going to Buckingham Palace next month. No, you hundred already, Nor. Queen's Garden party, is it? No, Violet, no. It's thanks to my daughter, Genevieve. She's invented a cure for the common cold last month. Oh, yeah. Yep. She just dreamt it up in her sleep one night, woke up, wrote it all down on the back of a bus ticket, sent it off to the World Health Organisation. She's being made a dame by the Queen at the palace next month, and I'm her plus one. Well, my daughter, Phoebe, invented the cure for cancer last year. Oh, but we've still got cancer, Vi. I know. She sent it off to the World Health Organisation as well, but they only went and lost the letter in their internal postal system. Oh, dear. Phoebe is working on reproducing her efforts to this day. She's that close, Nor. Honestly, then it'll be no more cancer thanks to my Phoebe. Ma Stevens single-handedly prevented a worldwide simultaneous terror attack on the top ten capitals in the world last January. Ma Trevor was the one who told the Americans where Bin Laden and Saddam Hussein were hiding. My Stephen is secretly an actual superhero with the powers of all of Team Avengers combined and last Tuesday he alone saved the Earth from a savage alien invasion. Cashier number seven, please. Oh, there you are. It's my turn. Uh, bye-bye. I'll see you later, Violet. Ta-da. Bye, Nora, love. What a two-faced, lying twat that wrinkly old bitch is. Strange but true. It's strange but true. Strange but true. It's strange but true. Strange but true. It's strange but true. In 2014, I'm struggling with this one. In 2014, a missing woman on vacation in Iceland was found when it was discovered that she was in the search party looking for herself. What? What the actual fuck? <laughs> she was looking for herself, not realising that but... that's what the search party was. <laughs> I mean, so it's... did she just turn up, presumably volunteered? <laughs> to, to, to look Oh, they're looking for someone. Someone's gone missing. <laughs> yeah. What do you think she kept on shouting? Oh, I recognise that name. So did they find her? <laughs> did she find herself? Maybe she went to Iceland to find herself. <laughs> Strange but true. It's strange but true.
Well, howdy there, big boy. You know, you look a lot like my fifth husband. Gee, ma'am, how many times you been married? Four. Yeehaw! Aw, another episode of Happy Hour comes to an end. <laughs> we hope you're enjoying listening as much as we are enjoying making them. Yeah. Yeah, please keep on listening and sharing and downloading. Yeah, absolutely. And don't forget to interact with us as always on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at PN Happy Hour. <laughs> uh, and you can search us on YouTube as well on the YouTube channel. Uh, and uh, I think that's PN Happy Hour as well, isn't at it? PN Happy Hour. Yeah, yeah PN Happy um, Hour. And we'll see you on the next Happy Hour. Can we <laughs> say, say Happy, happy hour. hour anymore in this link? <laughs> One more for luck. Happy, happy Hour. hour. You know, I once went off fishing for an entire week. And did you catch anything? Oh, not until I got home. I wish I could afford the time to go fishing. Now, what are you on about there now? You're always off fishing. I know, and I wish I could afford it. You've been listening to Paul and Nessa's Happy Hour, conceived, written and performed by Paul Dunn and Nessa Karen. Sketches were written by Paul Dunn and Nessa Karen. Megala was written by Tim Gambrell and featured the additional voice of David Foster. Incidental music was by Kevin MacLeod at incompetech.filmmusic.io. The script editor was Paul Dunn. Happy Hour is a Crank Danville production. <laughs> <laughs>